Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. When you grow, this is when you evolve. When you stop evolving, not good. You need to, I don't know, look back, reiterate something and change it. Three, two, one. My name is Spree Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hello, everybody. I'm Ulvia Giafferle, a data scientist in Italy. Although I'm living in Rome, originally I am from Azerbaijan. While thinking about how long it took for me to be a tech woman in the technology world, I felt the responsibility and desire to help other women as much as I can. Therefore, I developed the TechDevop platform to support others who want to achieve in technology. Because I believe women have ability to do great things. For us, sharing, helping, developing as one is the most important value. What I would like to emphasize is just do not afraid to fail, do not limit yourself with little success. Think bigger, learn, fail, repeat, experience, and reach the inaccessible. No matter how hard the challenge is, go for it. If not now, then when? The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. Hi, I'm Esprit Deborah, host of the We Are LA Tech podcast, born and raised in LA. Together, we are unifying and celebrating the Los Angeles tech community. Join us. Half the people walked in and walked out. They didn't want anything to do with me. There is literally nothing that's standing in the way except yourself. The partner came to us and said, hey, I'll give you a million bucks right now. This is where I've always wanted to be, Los Angeles. Subscribe to We Are LA Tech wherever you get your podcasts. Today's personal spot is keeping on. I was listening to an Emma Chamberlain interview yesterday, and she was talking about how there's so many times that she's wanted to quit. And I know that there's been so many times that... I've wanted to quit because being an entrepreneur, being a content creator is really tough. It's exhausting. It's energizing. And for so many different reasons, sometimes it's just, it's too much. And that's why it's incredibly important that we stay really committed and aware of why we're doing this in the first place and make sure that we're changing it up a bit as we go through the journey of creating so that we continue to enjoy the process. I know it's so 
cliche, but you know, that saying, it's about the journey, not the destination. And it's really true. So many people end up at the destination and they're like, wait, okay, now what? It's fun for like a day and a margarita, but then like, then what? And so what are we doing on a daily basis to make sure that we're really enjoying our craft? Like why we got into it in the first place and that we're living the lifestyle that we want to live that our craft complements. Like for me, I know that I want to make time to go on hikes and really get to know Los Angeles and that way of the nature, time to take a walk on the beach. So if I'm just sitting at a computer every single day not doing that stuff, am I really honoring the life that I wanted to create for myself? So that's my little thought of the morning. Sorry for my raspy voice. I'll see you guys in the next episode. the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. So excited for our next guest, Anna, coming at us from Miami via Ukraine. I'm so excited to talk about both. Hi, Anna. Hi. Hi, Esprit. It's good to be here. Anna, let's jump into it. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Of course, I'd love to. Um, so my name is Anna. I am originally from Ukraine, now reside in Miami. Actually, I'm a solo entrepreneur and um, I founded uh, one startup, then became board of directors in this startup and ambassador, and now working on my new startup in the metaverse. So I'm excited to share my entrepreneur journey and talk about the metaverse and uh, just uh, share with the female founders and um, women in tech. My story, hopefully that can be helpful because this is what I love about your podcast. You know, every time I listen to another female founder or woman in tech story, there's always something that I pick up for myself that I can use to grow. Anna, you know where I'd like to start, which is going to sound crazy because half of our audience knows and then half our audience is WTF. What is the metaverse and why is, oh my God. Why is Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> trying to claim it all for his own? <laughs> I, I don't know. But to be honest, when I started working on the metaverse before he announced that, but I, the, the announcement, I found that the announcement actually helped me to get more people to understand what I'm working on. The metaverse is a tech, technically a virtual reality, right? So say uh, our physical world, we just... Uh, built in in virtual reality and it can be anything it, it can be like using vr set like oculus you know or it can be just like using your computer and creating a virtual world where you can i don't know attend events and things like that i'm personally in education and that's my passion i've been an educator myself all my life teaching english as an as a, a second language as a foreign language and when, when i was in ukraine this is how, this is basically when i built my first company we provide um English language uh, training to people who work in tech. So technically, the company is called English for IT. And uh, so this is my passion. And as of right now, you know, I want to build a solution that will help people learn languages in an engaging way, you know, 
So I'm using this app. It's boring. I have to do the same, you know, things over and over again. But I believe in the metaverse, if you are in the virtual world where you create your avatar and you can move around this virtual world, just, uh, uh, just like the real world, you know, you get engagement with other avatars and they not necessarily have to be like real people avatars. They can be digital avatars that are pre-programmed to have a conversation with you about a specific topic. I think it's amazing that you can actually learn things by doing things in the virtual world. And then you can learn them in the virtual world and uh, use them in IRL, right? In the, in the real world. My first language is Spanish. I forgot Spanish. I studied Spanish in the pandemic. I did not end up becoming fluent. I don't know why the relationship with the lessons or something. I just didn't regain my fluency. So how can your company help me achieve my dream of being fluent in Spanish again? When you decided to learn Spanish, um, how did you do this? Did you have a teacher? Did you use an app? What was the demotivator for you there? Oh my gosh, my journey, Anna. I used, you know, that really popular you used everything. company. Yeah, I used everything. You know, that really popular company. I can't think of what it's called right now, but it was awful. Like it just crashed all the time. I was like, how is this so popular? It's the worst technology ever. And then my friend who knows several languages, he recommended a site to help me find a local teacher. And so I loved Loved it, And I booked a local teacher and I had lessons three times a week and it was awesome. And I think I probably improved, but I want to speak the way I did when I was a child, you know, and like really fluent. And so I didn't get there. And my teacher would even say, you need to be watching movies all the time. You need to be listening to music. I didn't. I definitely didn't do all the things, but I was consistently doing about three hours of lessons a week. And I thought that was a lot, especially for my schedule. I'm amazed and surprised you had so much time on your hands for, for being so busy. But I think the, the thing is that uh, when you learn a foreign language, you really want to have this communication component to it, right? And let's say when you have a one-on-one -on -one lesson with a teacher, it's great. But then like you get used to the format that it's a teacher and you're a student. It's not a real life, right? So you really want to like experience real life. But then again, people come to a foreign country. For example, you go to Spain and oh you Oh my gosh, assume. yes, I know what you're about to say. Yes, when I, when I lived in Spain, I pick. I became fluent yeah. again in like a month, but then when I got yeah. back to the states, I lost it again. Exactly right. Oh so you go gosh. to Spain, and and just this is like Dana. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So like the same in the virtual world. You know, you want to learn English, and you go to New York in the virtual world. Yeah, New York, virtual New York, and you learn English off like I don't know signs. You walk the streets. Right, so my right. page for for Techville. By the way, my, I, I I failed to to say the name of the startup. It's called Techville. The way I page Techville is: imagine you're walking streets of Paris. You can read signs in French. You walk into a cafe. You start chatting in another with another Stop. visitor. In I want to do this right and, now. Exactly right. You, Wait, I, the same does it Spain, exist you know? right now? Or are you still building? We're we're building. We're building now. We are now working with a um, group of designers. We, you know, we're sketching out how what's it's going to look like. We're also building my avatar because I'm going to be ambassador and, um, you know, nice. with the avatars, it's going to look yeah. like me, you know, but I'm very excited about this part because what I already do, I have my videos on YouTube and Instagram, uh, helping people, you know, learn English for tech and English in general. I'm excited to do this with my avatar there, you know, this is and, so uh, cool. 
there was a study that said that, um, you know, when people wanted to learn something and there was an avatar instead of a real person or a group of avatars instead of a group of real people, they were more open to learning because they did not feel uncomfortable looking stupid in front of other people because you know when you learn a new language or generally a new skill because my company we're we're focused on teaching English and soft skills like effective communication presentation small talk cross-cultural communication because that's important when you work on a you know international team so when you learn such skills, you feel embarrassed, for example, to speak in front of other people because you have fear of judgment. And that's like the biggest fear for us, right? Like we are afraid that other people are going to judge us. That's why so many people want to start their podcasts, but they don't, you know, because they're (laughs) like, okay, what are they going to do? Yeah. Um, Wait, so I'm in Madrid, Spain, virtually in the metaverse, in your metaverse. And I go into a cafe. Now is a real person simulating talking to me or is it a row is it a video game both. where you've both okay. it's actually both so my idea is of course there are other avatars like in roblox right now if yeah. you want to play a roblox game there are there are avatar avatars like real people behind those avatars and then this is how you a- can interact but my idea is that i also want to have digital personas there like pre-programmed i mean there are different opinions about deep fake technology but if we use deep fake for good you know it's used for good so using deep fake technology here would help us to program those digital personas these personas will be able to maintain a conversation on a specific topic so let's say you're in madrid wow. and you go to a store you want to buy a book and uh, you can chat with a shop assistant and you know we can program wow. the uh, like a basic dialogue for you to practice with this digital human i think it's fantastic i think that's the that's the proper deep fake tech use uh, actually here and- and on the screen, I could see cues of like, if I don't understand something, yes. the yes. program will yes. help because that way it's not just you're in a random metaverse and you don't understand what's going on. You yes. have it's for language learning. So I, I, I can exactly pay. this is so exciting. You know what it, it, it reminds me of just slightly is I was using there's an app called Speechify. I don't know if you've heard of it. When you use the word deep fake, it's not exactly deep fake, but it's sort of deep fake. I don't know. Maybe it is deep fake. It's. Basically, Gwyneth Paltrow gave her voice to Speechify, and so it's, now it's, yeah, it's a deep robot. Fake. <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow reads everything, so I, I'm picturing that in your metaverse in your Techville. That like, yes, that it's like you feel like you know, like Selma Hayek or something. <laughs> it's like having a conversation <laughs> if she lent you her voice, but like. It's really that's another thing. That's another thing that we can have famous people like sell you things, you know, for example, uh, some celebrities selling their own brands to people in the metaverse. And this is what I want Techville to be like. Like, of course, I want to partner with the brands where they can, you know, advertise their product. But we don't do it just advertisement. It's a product placement that that is introduced through a learning component. So you see the metaverse that I am building is different from other metaverses because of content. Because in my metaverse, you come there and there is content already given to you. Like we feed you with educational content. Whereas like other metaverses, they only create a space where people can get together and they create their own content, right? 
I lived in Santiago. I lived in Madrid. When I live in a local speaking geography, I pick up the language like it's nothing, and which is what makes it that much more frustrating when I'm in the States and I'm just like, I want to speak the way I can speak at some points in my life. So this is just so cool. When do you expect to launch? To be honest, can I, I be really in the wanted- beta? <laughs> Uh, absolutely. Uh, I will add you to the list. I hope we can lo- we can launch the first version by the end of the year. Currently, I'm actively raising funds for this because I, uh, I have bootstrapped my previous startup and I know how to be a bootstrap founder. Now I want to do things in a little bit different way. And that's a, that, that's a, actually a challenging journey for me here because I have never raised funds. And uh, mm-hmm. this is what I'm actually working on right now. But I'm excited because that will make me a founder who's done it like both ways, you know, uh, um, bootstrapped and uh, with, the, with the funds raised. How far along are you in Techville right now? We are pre-product, so we are uh, technically now working with the team. There is no beta. We are working on uh, the design component to it. Of course, I want to build it on blockchain as well, since it's the metaverse. So there is uh, there, that that part is also to be built. So technically, the development we just we started development uh, of Techville last month. So we are very um, wow. new to it. And who's on but the I team? Think it's, I think it's great. So we, I am, um, I the, uh, I have a team of a designer and uh, people who build the um, Unity component to it, and the blockchain developer as well. So technically, these three components are important for the metaverse at this point. Since the blockchain, then the video game part of it, and of course the design uh, part is is huge. The design part is new for me because my previous startup it was you know not connected to design, so it's very interesting. S3, to be honest, to work with um, with a team team of designers. There are so many, you know, interesting and, things to it. And we're going to get into your previous experience in startups in a bit. And it's something that we usually dive into much sooner, but it's been so interesting hearing about this. Before we move on... I'm ready to talk more. <laughs> yeah, about Techville, about the new thing. Before we move on, how did you discover your team? Who are they? Since I'm doing influence a little bit of influencing online on Instagram, it really helps. It really helps to, um, you know, to find your team. So all this hard work you invest in being an influencer, it pays off when like, you know, you really do like, I mean, I mean, I'm a, I, I don't sell um, any other like advertisement or anything. I'm just like, I'm just passionate about what I do. It's education. But then when I need, for example, to find a team, I just talk about it in my social media and people reach out to me. So this is great. So this is how I'm able to, you know, find great resources. Also LinkedIn, I leverage LinkedIn for that. I know Twitter is great. I haven't used Twitter for actually looking for teammates, but I I heard many stories. It's just for the audience, for those who are looking for the job, just reaching out on Twitter really helps. You know, LinkedIn, sometimes it's just uh, cold reach outs, but they really work because, you know, when I talk about what I'm passionate about all the time, so people kind of, you know, see me out there and they just reach out to me even like without me uh, giving an ask out there. So the people on your team reached out to you after discovering you online. Am I understanding right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, my uh, w- with the designers, it was a little bit more complicated because of the metaverse and NFTs. You know, designers are very busy. 
<laughs> I would say they they have a lot of you know gigs. Uh, so I did. I found my designer technically by posting an ask in one of the communities on Telegram, the communities for you know creative people. And you know he reached out to me as like, hey, I'm interested. And it was it was a perfect it was a perfect match for me because I was looking for a person who specializes in like avatar creations. And this is, you know, like I told you, I haven't worked with the designers before. So for example, I, for this specific task, I really needed a person who is professional with avatars, like, you know, creating avatars and uh, in 3D modeling. So things like that. So he's like specifically doing this thing. So I'm very happy about this. I already saw um, my first mock-up and like, it really, it really looks like me. (laughs) This is, this is That's crazy. so cool. And um, I know it's something that actually one of our other founders that we had on the show talked about how her influence on Twitter is what attracted her to be able to raise money to to find an, a phenomenal co-founder. Talk a little bit about yep. that, because it's something we've never talked about on the show before. How did you intentionally create influence? You know, now you're able to attract talent and grow your company from that influence. What was your way of thinking? What were the first kind of steps that you took? Something that, you know, everyone listening could could kind of marinate on to apply to their own journey as well. That's a good question. And I wish more founders start leveraging their personal brand because it really helps when you're building a company, when you've built a company and you're just, you know, uh, out there expanding and so on. I started being like active first on my Instagram, uh, probably it was three years ago. And I just started like offering free things. That's how you start. Like I offered, um, you know, free courses or free challenges, you know, for language learners. And then uh, um, it really took off. Within like a few months, I had like over a thousand, fo- over over ten thousand followers, and then it it just like started growing there. Uh, now I'm I'm at forty five, which is uh, not a huge amount of, uh, which is n- not a huge number here, but it also works. And then you know, uh, you just like share what your everyday things, what you live, but like you have to be meaningful. Like like I said, my blog. And my influence work is around education. So, for example, last year, I um, got into the metaverse space. So I started talking about the metaverse. Of course, people don't know anything about the metaverse. So this is my job to educate them, right? right. The same on LinkedIn. Like I share on LinkedIn my, my journey. For example, I took a program in Accelerate. I took an Accelerator program, right? So I had a pitch day. Like I talk about this and that. And people see it. So they see that I'm being active. So with the social media thing, you just really have to share your life, right? And I'm not talking about personal life. I never talk about my personal life, for example, but I talk about the life that is relevant to my mission. So first of all, you have to identify your mission technically, right? What is your mission? My mission is to make people's life better through education. And it can be ESL education, it's uh, soft skill education. It's like, you know, it, it can be anything. It can be something else later on, you know, because I'm also growing as a professional, as a human being. But if you people do feel like they're screaming out into the void and no one's listening. But I think it's important yeah. to really not worry what your follower count is. But like Anna's saying, just stay true to sharing your purpose and your mission. So when the right people are checking you out, you make it easy for them to understand why to talk to you, what to talk to you about, and how to connect with you. 
it's the journey that you have to accept that people are not responsive because you know, audience is different. People um, are shy, for example. But even if you have like 50 people watching your stories or videos, just imagine. Okay, so here's a trick for someone who is new to this thing. Okay, so you think that 50 people is not enough. But now imagine in real life, offline, you are in front of 50 people. Is that a lot? Of course, it's like of 50 course. people in the room. Yeah, 100%. 50 people in the room. So if, for example, you know, when you when you think, okay, a thousand people are watching me, a thousand people is a lot. Just imagine, again, imagine a physical room with a thousand of people, thousand people, like these thousand people, of course, that's a lot. So the same was like 50, 60, 100. So you start with that and then you grow. But like I said, the most important thing is your passion. If you're passionate about something, you're going to keep doing it. And this is great. And as a founder, for example, at least you can talk about what your company, what you're building, yeah, your company's mission. And I think it's great. I think it's great because, you know, one time I read in this um, YC group. So there's a, um, a group for people who apply or who have been to YC, Y Combinator. And uh, one founder who got accepted to YC, after complete after they completed the program he wrote like you know his message to the group with his like you know insights and stuff and he said i was surprised that there were no influencers in the bat in our batch and he said that as if like you know saying that okay everyone thinks that you have to be an influencer with big audience to be a founder but actually yc chose people who had like zero followers on instagram or uh tiktok or something like that i wasn't sure like but i was i had mixed feelings about this message because it kind of felt like uh you judge people who focus on influencing work whereas it <laughs> yeah it's like if you're an influencer it means that you are worse of a founder and you're not accepted to YC or something like that. I I think YC doesn't have any preferences, whether you are an influencer or not an influencer. They look at other things, you know, but it was amazing that a lot of people uh, Which is would refreshing. choose it as, <laughs> yeah, they would, they would choose this as a, you know, as an excuse for them not to do this because they were like, oh, it's actually, it's not important because YC had a bunch of founders who are not social, so not active in social media. So this is just an excuse for a lot of people not to do this because they see that this is important, but they, but it's a lot of hard work. You talked about discovering your purpose at 19 and you talked about working in startups. And I really want to dive into your inspiration on moving from the Ukraine to Miami, Florida in the U.S. So I'm not even sure where to start because there's so much I want to know. Yeah. Um, when, <laughs> when did you first become interested in technology? Like when did you well, first start to lean into the metaverse? Actually, I think it's a good uh, motivational story for a lot of women who come from a non-technical background because I'm a non-technical founder. I'm not a coder. I did teach myself how to HTML, CSS, the website uh, when I when I thought I needed it, and so I I, I was able to build the website. I actually, built my first website for for English for IT, the startup that I had. I love but how you're I'm like link- I'm non technical, but I taught myself all <laughs> these coding things. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. 
I'm, I mean, I'm a linguist. I come from a linguistic background. My major is English and English literature. My major, I did my major in Odessa in Ukraine, but you know, it didn't prevent me uh, from like, you know, getting interested in startups. And I, I actually even worked as a, as a project manager for an IT consultancy back like seven years ago, just to kind of understand the, uh, how tech works and how the tech industry works. So for those women who are just getting into tech yeah or like looking into building a career in tech your background doesn't matter what really matters is what you want now if you want to be a tech professional you can be a tech professional you can like i said i didn't go to any school i was watching youtube videos and asking my students my tech students who were who i was teaching english i was asking them questions when i was teaching myself to build a website. That's what I did. And you know why I did that? I did that to understand what my audience does because I wanted to create a product that I have created uh, in, in actually last year, I authored a textbook, the, the very first world, te world textbook, English for tech. Yeah. But, but I, I didn't know anything about tech. So I wanted to teach myself. And what's the best way to teach myself to do it? I thought I was like, I have to learn what they know. So I, that's why I taught myself those like coding little things, you know, but then I, did I want to become a coder? No, I didn't because I had my mission education. Right. And, um, and what inspired so this, is, this mission of education? I was born with it when I was seven. <laughs> that's a really <laughs> crazy story. I, I cannot believe I'm telling the story to the world. So when I was seven and uh, in elementary school, I uh, had a fight with this boy and his mom came to my house and to talk to my mom. And uh, she was like, why is your daughter? Why? Why did she like, why did they have a fight? And he said that it, she started it or something. And you know why? And my mom was like, Anna, why did you do this? And I was like, well, he didn't want to learn. I wanted him to learn. Stop. I wanted him to be a better student. Can you imagine Stop. like a seven-year-old saying this? And my mom was like laughing. And uh, well, I mean, I, of course she said like it was, but like imagine me seven years old and I was so upset that somebody didn't want to study, didn't want to learn, didn't want to like become better. So I think that was it, you know, technically. And then when I, you know, um, was in school, I had a English teacher and my English teacher was like, oh, and I like you uh, learn languages so quickly. And, uh, you know, because I learned English when I was in Ukraine, I didn't live in the U U.S. when I was a, when I was a child. And uh, so technically, that's why I, I uh, continued like learning languages and literature. And then it was. Uh, natural progression to start teaching English, but it was natural progression for me. However, I really loved it. I really enjoyed it. And I wanted to create something that, you know, will help more people like in tech education. This is actually when I had to pivot because when I was 21, I started um, a language school in Odessa, an offline language startup? school, you know, uh, it was it was a language school. Yeah, uh, it was a long time ago when I was 21. But this and is then your first I, startup. That was my first. Yeah, that was my yeah. first offline thing. I don't know if you can call it a starter because it was offline, but <laughs> I guess so. Your because I started business. with like, 
Yeah, my first business, I started with like having $300 in my pocket, but you know, I wasn't, you know, I was super young and I wasn't like afraid of anything. And then, you know, when I was working and like, you know, having school, I was always profitable to be honest, but I wasn't like rich, like, you know, having uh, uh, in, enough money that like I really wanted. And I wanted something else, something different. And this is when I actually wanted to start teaching B2B. Yeah, I wanted to be hired by a company and provide like, you know, language services for the company. So that I'm like hired by different companies, not like just, you know, consumers. And this is when I started working for a tech company and they were like, we need English for IT. And I was like, yeah, of course I can teach you English for IT. So I Googled English for information technology textbook. And you know what? It's free. This textbook that is published by Oxford University Press. This book is for people who are learning what information technology is not like tech people, but like, for example, in the book, when you open the book, you learn things like how to say a mouse in English or, I don't know, desktop, laptop, and things like this. And this is not what tech professionals need. So I soon realized that there are no textbooks and I have to come up with my own stuff, with my own stuff for the lesson, you know, and how do I do this if I know nothing about IT? That's why I started learning how to build a website to understand uh, wow. what they, what, you know, people need. And then I was like, okay, now you work with customers. This is why I went to work as a project manager for an American consultancy to work directly with the client so that I can create my curriculum of communication skills for tech professionals. Wow. You know, all the soft and, skills and stuff. Mm -hmm. And what inspired your move from the Ukraine to Miami, Florida? It's definitely the crypto movement, uh, crypto NFT, everything metaverse movement. Because in when Miami, I was thinking you about mean. in yes, in Miami, absolutely. Because it's uh, first of all, I heard about it. Not many people, still not many people know about it. I think outside of outside of the U.S. and even inside the U.S., people who are not in tech, they're like, "Wow, Miami." That's uh, you know, when I when I tell people I live in Miami, they are like either like you wow yeah this is a great place to be in like for tech or they they were they would be like making comments that oh you came to Miami because you want to just enjoy life and do nothing something like that <laughs> <laughs> but anyway yeah Miami the movement here is great and you know when I came here the city was more open after COVID than other places and I think it also contributed to people being more you know, proactive uh, about their ideas and what they do. And of course, the mayor and how he supports crypto everything, because technically here, every person I know is involved with something that is crypto NFT and like doing startups and stuff. And I'm actually myself part of the um, uh, women and Web3 community, like doing nice. like DAOs and cryptos and everything. Yeah. And people are here, like, you know, people are just like learning things and they're not, you know, afraid to learn or afraid to admit that they want to learn something very supportive. And generally for Miami, I think if you want to build something, this is a place to be because of the community. So when I came to Miami, it took me literally two months to know everyone in the community because like people are so, you know, open to, you know, to interact with each other, to help each other. You can 
easily find communities that you can join. You know, either it's a Web three community, a women in tech community, and this is the and then and then you just meet other people. You know, you have introduction and Twitter. Twitter is the first thing you go to when Twitter you is like come the to Miami. Community for the tech. I world know. The pandemic. Absolutely, absolutely. I was able to grow my Twitter uh, from fifty to like three hundred followers in like a month being in Miami. Oh, it just was being I in think Miami. Wow. Yeah. Just being and, in Miami and like interacting with like, you know, uh, Miami tech people. Was that scary to move from one country to another? Like for tech, like were you already familiar or you're like, I need to be where the metaverse is? <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're right. How did you know that? That's that's how I felt. Because uh, to be honest, if you are in Ukraine now trying to do what I'm doing at the beginning of the show, you know, I told you what I'm working on. It's like super new. Nobody else is doing it. Right. And like it's all all the metaverse thing is like super dreamy too. People are doing it. It's like blindfolded because we like we're building it. We think it's going to work, but nobody knows for sure. Right. With all this NFT space, like people are doing this, but nobody knows what's going to happen. And um, you have to be, uh, if you're working on something like that, I believe you have to be in the right place, like surrounded by, uh, you know, like-minded people, because it, then it will be easier for you to get to your point B technically. And of course, it's always hard to move countries. To mo- It's hard to move homes, you know? <laughs> it's hard to move houses. It's hard to move cities. It's, like, it's hard it's to move countries. Countries is insane. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, every country is great. It's not like you move because you don't like, I mean, sometimes, yeah, but like, it's not in my place. Like I said, I moved because I wanted to be closer to uh, people and opportunities uh, that I needed to build to build my thing technically. And, you know, with being like so far, because this is an epicenter of the metaverse here in the United States right now, right? And like being so far away and with a seven hour difference, it's, it's just like not possible to attend certain events, to connect with certain people because you're just, you know, you're just living in the future, but not the future that you want to be living in, right? Totally. Because <laughs> you so, want to live in in the future. For anybody that wants to get involved in the metaverse right now and start building in the metaverse, what are some of the resources that you access that help propel you forward? Were there certain books you read or different programs or different communities you joined or a different website you found? What is that plug for everybody listening? To be honest, I cannot like name a specific community or a specific resource just Google, right? You just Google. And what really helps me is Twitter. You follow people who are in the space and they always share some useful information. So whenever I want to learn Twitter spaces, Twitter spaces is great for education. Exactly. Exactly. Twitter. I, I like, you know, when I'm tired of useless content on Instagram. I'm sorry, Instagram, but uh, I create that. I mean, I create content on Instagram as well, but like there's a lot of uh, content that you don't need. Uh, Like TikTok, for example, I go on Twitter because on Twitter, you know what I did? I created a smart feed. So my feed only gives me educational, serious stuff. So whenever I want to learn something, I go on Twitter, I browse my feed, 
there it's it's all about entrepreneurship it's all about founders it's all about uh, startups it's all about web3 it's all about crypto nfts and this is how i learned so i don't have any distractions like on instagram for example because on instagram i also follow um some communities there there is actually very cool i will add, add that to the list uh, metaverse um, um account they post metaverse news and uh, it's it's just like easy and like you know to learn but there's also there are also other things that are in the way my recommendation is create smart smart feed in your twitter uh, by following accounts that you want to learn from right and you can do this with the help of hashtags that's how twitter works right you hashtag miami tech and that's how you find everyone in miami (laughs) it's true like in la you just search long la and that's how you find everybody in los angeles it's so funny where can people find you online Oh, absolutely. I'm uh, everywhere technically online. So you can find me on Instagram at English. Actually, that's a name that my students gave me, Anna English. So it's English. Can you spell it for everybody? (laughs) Yes, it's uh, A-N-N-G-L-I-S-H. Uh, so I go by this name and uh, also you can just use my full name, Anna, A-N-N-A, Gandrabura, G-A-N-D-R-A-B-U-R-A on LinkedIn and on Twitter, just my full name. Yeah, I'll be happy to connect with you guys too. What obstacle, a huge obstacle have you overcome that has just been wild? Like you can't even believe you overcame it and now you're a rock star. Well, I think uh, for every person and for me, the obstacle was your personal growth. Mm. I believe that, you know, as as a human being, you have to evolve and grow professionally, personally, I don't know, in many different ways constantly. And I believe that every person in their lives, they come to a point where they feel the dip, you know, and this dip is there are two ways. Yeah, you stay or or actually there's one way. You go up, right? There's because the dip is like the dip and then you go up. And when you are in this dip, you just have to be very strong and focus on what you have to do. Because a lot of times people get, you know, weak, they uh, detour. But yeah, in my life, there was a time where everything was like super difficult, you know, personally, professionally, but, you know, it was really hard, but you just have to keep going. So I think my advice here to everyone who is in the dip right now or ever gets in the dip, you just have to keep pushing, uh, work on yourself, remember about your needs and the fact that you have to grow Uh, all the time, right? Because when you grow, this is when you evolve. When you stop evolving, not good. You need to, I don't know, look back. I don't know, reiterate something and change it. So yeah, whenever there is a dip, just to keep pushing. 100%. What is a book that you recommend that we read? Any book could be personal or professional. I think it's more on a personal side, but it's really important that every professional reads it. It's called I am enough by Marisa Peer. I am enough. <laughs> uh, Esprit, you're gonna love this book. This that's that's a game changer. That's like a life changing book for everyone who thinks that they cannot do something, but then they will understand that they can, no matter what it is. 
And no matter what, whether it's like a personal thing or it's a professional thing. So technically it's kind of like, it's not, it's not about imposter syndrome, but it's, it's about yourself and like how you see yourself, your self-esteem, how to build up on that. So I really like this book. It's a, it's, it's definitely a must read for every woman. I'm sure not only women, but like, you know, for, if you're a woman, that will be very, very helpful regardless of where you are in life right now. And who is a must follow? It could be on Twitter, on YouTube, a podcaster. Who is a must follow? It really depends on what you're looking for. But I was, you know, like uh, January 1st, I was looking through my Twitter feed and I really like reading Brian Armstrong, a Coinbase founder, uh, Twitter, because he tweets not only about crypto, obviously, but like other things that are important. For example, he was talking about the scarcity versus uh, abundance of resources on the, uh, planet Earth. And like he was uh, citing some um, reports and uh uh, from universities, like papers and stuff. I think it's very educational. So I like to follow him, uh, not for crypto, but for like smart things, <laughs> other <laughs> smart things in the world. Your favorite app, it could be a website, it could be a mobile app, your favorite site, you like your tool. Like, I'm just in love with tools. Uh, to be honest, I really like uh, Headspace Meditation. Me uh, this is the app that doesn't make me anxious ever. <laughs> Totally. <laughs> I, I believe so. Yeah. You know, a good one that I just discovered, I'm a, I'm a big Headspace user for meditation. I love Headspace. I just discovered an app called Aura, A-U-R-A. I don't even know where I found I've it. I've heard about this. I and I've been listening it. to nature sounds on Aura like throughout oh, wow. the day. And I don't know why, but the the sounds on Headspace, they're maybe a little bit too instrumental for me. <laughs> and so I, just I haven't like used the, the sounds. Oh, I was yeah. only yeah. I haven't used because I I still can't. I mean, I prefer to like when I do something. I prefer uh, to like to be in silence. You know, I don't mm. like even play music as a background. So this is probably something that I still yet uh, have to experience. Totally. And what is one of the best pieces of advice that you've gotten in your career to help accelerate you forward? Yeah, one of the pieces of advice that I I don't think I got this piece, but like it's kind of like uh, I came to its realization myself. It's sell before you build, you know. Mm. As a as a startup founder, pre sells. That's a good one. Pre sell sell before you it's build. It's pre. Yeah, like if you want to create a product, that's what that's that's how I did with the with the ESL course that became like really popular. Now over a thousand tech professionals uh, have already used it, you know. And so you pre-sell it. First of all, you check. Uh, you have to understand whether there is the demand. And then again, if you are an influencer. Or if you're active on social media, it's so easy for you to do the A-B testing, right? To pre-sell it because you can have a list of, you know, people who want to buy it even before you start working on it. That's the best. That's the Such best. So, yeah, pre-sell it. Anna, thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. Thank you. I cannot wait to be one of your beta, your beta people. Absol I hate the word I can't. users, I but beta, I want to be a beta user. <laughs> Absolutely. Personas, beta perso personas. Beta personas. <laughs> thank yes, you so absolutely. much. Thank to you so much, Esprit. Of course, to connect with more amazing women around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech community at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com 
say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Hey, this is Anna Gandrabura. I'm the founder of Tacville. Tacville is a virtual world where you can learn languages and improve your social skills. We are based in Miami and you're listening to Women in Tech. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.